Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. So I'm just kind of curious, if you could find out what people your age, that maybe have a similar career, that maybe live near where you live, if you could find out what they spend their money on, what their money habits are, would that type of peer pressure entice you to save more money, to save less money? Would that change how you actually think about your money? I'm Shauna Compton-Game. This is Millennial Money, and today we're talking peer pressure and your money with Medj Maksad from Status Money, and we have our very first live Ask Shauna question featuring Hillary. Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Game. It will expand your brain. So Hillary, I am so excited to have you on the podcast, uh, our first kind of live Ask Shauna session. And I know you've been a podcast listener for a while. So first, I just wanted to start by saying thank you. Of course. I'm so excited and honored. I didn't realize I was the first. So this is very exciting. (laughs) <laughs> the first is always a good position to be in, I think at least. 
And, you know, you had wrote in a question and had such a great story. And I thought, you know, it would be great to just talk about this live and kind of work through this together. But I thought, you know, this the question that you have, I think, is a situation that a lot of people find themselves in at some point in time. And I thought, you know, this could really help a listener or two out, maybe even more. So I'd love for you to just kind of, you know, walk me through, you know, what's been going on and what kind of led you to the the question. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so glad that you're doing this kind of segment because I know this particular question was one that I Googled and I searched endless podcasts and I couldn't find the answer to anywhere. And I agree. I think it is something that kind of that I assume a lot of people go through. So um, hopefully we can help other people besides myself with this. That would be fantastic. But yeah, so essentially what happened or my situation was last year I was laid off very unexpectedly, didn't see it coming. I had a great performance review right before and just it completely knocked me on my back. And I, of course, it happened at probably the worst time. I had just came home from a vacation. So I had a little bit of credit card debt. It was right before the holidays. Um, I just, you know, wasn't expecting it. So my savings was not where it needed to be at all. And so after being unemployed for a few months, um, I'm now reemployed, which is great. And I'm at a job I like and love, actually. Yeah. So now my question is, um, after facing a financial hardship, such as being unemployed, what would you suggest my strategy is for rebuilding? Do you think I should focus on rebuilding my savings, which is now pretty much been diminished, or focus on um paying off credit cards. I think it's interesting that you say, you know, you Googled this question and couldn't really find anything because I know at least in the last year, I've probably been asked this question about 10 times. So I think, you know, a lot of people are either in or have been in your situation. And I think the hardest part is, like you say, just like you're rolling off a vacation and totally not expecting you know, and I think that's more a reality maybe now so than even like five years ago is, you know, companies are just shifting so much. And, you know, I've even heard of people, I don't know if you've had friends where this has happened, but I've heard of people who have gotten laid off and they didn't even get any severance. Yes, that was me. I didn't receive a dollar of severance, no in lieu of pay, Um, basically paid me out through that day and kind of sent me on my way. (laughs) Yeah, that's a really rough day, right? It wasn't a good one, no. (laughs) I can imagine like all the thoughts going through your head of kind of like the, you know, oh my God, what are we going to (laughs) do? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, you know, the reason maybe why there isn't a clear cut answer is because there isn't exactly a clear cut answer, which I think makes it more frustrating or hard for people to figure out. But, you know, what I always like to think about is, okay, if we tackle like all the credit card debt, that would be fantastic. And then, you know, you wouldn't have credit card debt. But on the flip side, you wouldn't also have savings as well. And if we did, you know, vice versa, you'd have savings, but you wouldn't have, but you would have credit card debt. And so, you know, I always like to think about it kind of in a, almost like a teeter-totter, if you will, you know, where you take a certain percentage of whatever extra cash you've got every month at your new job, and maybe you allocate a certain percentage going towards the credit cards and a certain percentage going towards the savings. So at the end of the day, you're kind of doing both approaches. I realize you're not like paying the credit cards off as fast maybe as you would like, 
But you also have that safety net. So if something happens, you don't have to go back to the credit cards. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes people do like a 50-50 split. Sometimes, you know, it's like, well, I've got this, um, you know, I've got a couple, I don't know how many credit cards you have, but some people are like, well, I've got a couple of credit cards and I want to at least pay this one off. So they allocate maybe a little bit more percentage towards that. But, um, you know, I think thinking about it in terms of like, you know, if God forbid something came up and, you know, you were laid off again or, you know, there was some emergency that came up, if you could at least have maybe like a month's worth of expenses and savings, that at least gives you a little bit of breathing room. Yeah, that's a great idea because I think that's kind of where my dilemma comes in is I, I feel like I have a little bit of PTSD, like financial PTSD from yes. it. I don't want, you know, this could obviously happen again or life could happen. But then at the same time, I'm getting hit with interest rates on my credit card. So it's um, it's been kind of a hard struggle to figure out a strategy behind this. Have you... Um... Have you called the credit card company at all to ask for an interest rate reduction? I haven't, no. That would be a good tip too. Um, you know, it's not 100% guaranteed, but, you know, if you've been making your payments and you've been a customer at least for a year, I have found great success in literally just calling and saying, you know, I've been a good customer I really want to stay with you, but you know I'm trying to knock down this debt, and I I want to get the best interest rate I can possibly get. You know, is there any interest rate reduction you could offer me? Um, and I found a lot of people have had big success just by asking the question. Oh, okay, that's a great idea. I will definitely try that. Yeah. So even just saving, you know, like a a percentage is a big deal, especially if you're trying to pay off that credit card debt. Very true. That's a good point. Yeah, a lot of people are like petrified or scared to do that. But I promise you, it's not scary at all. It's just, I mean, what's the worst they can say, right? No. Um, Good point. I like how you worded that as well. That was, I feel like that's really easy to do. Yeah, yeah. It's really easy. I think, you know, um, I had a friend once who I I gave her this tip and she kind of like worked herself up in a panic before she called. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like this could be the easiest thing ever. And and then she, she had success. So then it was like this challenge for you know, her other credit cards, like how low can I get the interest rates, you know? (laughs) I'm definitely going to try this. That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. So yeah, I think just thinking, you know, at the end of the day, like you said, you have this kind of like financial PTSD of, of which we all do. I mean, I've been in like plenty of situations (laughs) where I'm like, there is no way I'm going through that like ever again. Mm -hmm. Um, And then sometimes we go through it and we live, but um, you know, of just thinking like, okay, What's that number based off your expenses where you would feel maybe a little bit more comfy if you at least had, you know, that number in your savings or two months of that number in your savings or whatever that might be? You know, what 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 number would make you feel just a little bit easier while you're also focusing on the debt payoff? It does. At least that way I have some sort of a cushion and can sleep at night and then and then work on the, the credit card debt as well. Yeah. Are are you seeing, like, have you seen this scenario with, with some of your friends as well, where they've kind of had these sudden layoffs? Um, I think a little bit. I usually with layoffs, they'll do a little bit of severance, which is nice. I've never really seen it like mine where 
they've just, you know, especially with no notice or really not even seeing it coming. But I think, um, I mean, especially I'm in my late 20s. And I think that savings was just something that was never really taught to us. At least my friends and I think that we pretty much live off of credit cards and really aren't focusing on building that savings. And then when something like this does happen, or you have a big payment or something happens to your car or all that kind of stuff that things get a little bit stressful financially. So this has definitely been a very big learning lesson to me. And I'm hoping to some of my friends too, I've I've kind of been preaching to them to save as well. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's that, that stress I know is it's very like debilitating, you know, Mm -hmm. it kind of like takes over everything. Um, You know, when you're trying to figure out like, how am I just, how am I even going to pay my bills? Exactly. So was it hard to find a new job or was that process relatively easy for you? It was a lot harder than I expected, actually. Um, I was unlucky in the fact that I got, uh, I was laid off uh, right before the holidays. And so not a lot of companies are hiring in those months. It's end of year and um, they have people going on vacation. And so really the market was just not great in terms of finding even jobs to apply to that were kind of up my alley. So it wasn't until it, it took a few months for me even to find, start finding jobs that were, that I was qualified for or that were of interest to me. And then it's a lot harder to find a job when you don't have a job, I've realized. So it was definitely a lot more difficult than I had expected. Yeah. Do you have any tips for like anything you learned in the process? Um, I think being patient, definitely. And also just especially something that was actually told to me by a recruiter, which I really liked. Um, I was working with a recruiter in December and she kind of told me, you know, the holidays are coming up. I really just don't have a lot right now. And she was like, what you could really be doing that'd be best for you right now is just using this time to really improve yourself. Take a class, network, join an organization that's within your realm of interest. Um, you know, maybe find some people on LinkedIn, get a me- find a mentor, get involved in clubs, basically just, you know, having free time is kind of a luxury that a lot of people don't have when you're not getting paid to have that luxury. It makes it a little different. But um, I think just really using that time of being unemployed to improve yourself as much as possible, it just makes you more valuable to your next employer and might even help you to, at least it helps me get a salary or a higher salary for the job that I ended up getting because I had taken some classes during that time. So that'd be my main recommendation. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's such a great tip. That is fantastic. Well, awesome. Um, Do you have any other questions for me? That was kind of my main one. (laughs) I mean, I could probably ask you questions all day, but that was was definitely the one that's (laughs) hot in my mind right now. That's so great. Well, thank you so much, Hillary, for for sharing your story. Hopefully this was pretty painless. And uh, (laughs) like I said, I think that even just the few like pearls of wisdom that, that you shared from this process, you know, hopefully would help somebody else listening who maybe in that or going through that same situation. Yeah, I hope so. (laughs) The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. 
I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy, workout-friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com etm for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash ETM to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash ETM. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals, so you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash ETM. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. 
take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash E-T-M. Go to joindeleteme.com slash E-T-M and use code E-T-M for 20% off. From Foreign Policy, I'm Rena Ninen, the host of The Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women. Over the past few years, we've looked at how women around the world are changing societal norms to increase their economic power. This season, we're focusing completely on girls, how they're pushing for a brighter, more powerful future, and what the rest of us can do to set them up for success. Join us for stories about girl power, young women who are fighting for change, to give themselves a chance to live a life of their own choosing. That's season six of The Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so I am so excited to have you on the podcast. Uh, I think that... This idea of peer pressure and how peer pressure affects people's spending is such an interesting topic to really dig into. And I know that you've recently completed a study over at Status Money. And so I thought just to start things off, since this is such an interesting topic, you know, have you seen the issue of peer pressure uh, work kind of positively or negatively in your own money story? Absolutely. And first of all, thank you for having me on. Um, one of the, the first things that caused us to take a look at peer pressure and how it could be used to help people make smarter financial decisions was a lot of research being done in the utilities space with electricity bills and how to get people to, to spend less energy, uh, as well as research being done by hotels trying to get you to reuse your towels. And what both of those had found out was you know, if you give people information about what other people have done, that is a huge motivator to get them to change their own behaviors. Uh, and we wanted to do the same thing for finance. There's no reason that shouldn't apply when it comes to managing your, your, your checkbook or, or your spending on a monthly basis. Um, so that was one of the, uh, the major reasons we, uh, we founded Status Money and gave everybody the ability to compare finances with others. Um, and you mentioned the study that we've completed. That was really exciting. Uh, we actually worked with professors at the University of Chicago and at the University of Maryland, um, and they conducted an independent study looking at how people reacted when they learned that they were spending more than people like them. Uh, these are people with a similar age, income, location, credit score even. Um, and, and the results were startling. Um, people that learned they were spending just about the same um, as their peers did not change their behavior at all. They just said, okay, good to know. But the people who were uh, spending more than their peers, uh, people like them, reduced their spending by $600 a month. <laughs> I think that's uh, so, yeah, that's so interesting because I mean, I, you know, would be probably the first one to raise my hand saying in the past, probably through peer pressure or whatever it may be, I've probably overspent, you know, just to kind of keep up, if you will. But I think that's so fascinating that when people actually can look at it like on paper, it helps them reduce their spending. 
Yeah, you're right. It gives them context, right? And, and I've had a personal story with this. Uh, we used to eat out a lot, my wife and I. We'd love to go out. We're kind of foodies. And we saw that we were spending about twice as much of people our age with a similar income living in New York. And that sparked a conversation to say, you know what, maybe we should try cooking more often. We actually both enjoy cooking. And we've actually brought our, our spending down significantly as a result of that conversation. Wow. Uh, so having, having access to that information is incredibly powerful. Yeah. And I, I talk about this a lot on the podcast. You know, I, I really want to just create a place where we can talk about money because we don't often talk about this subject. You know, there's a lot of stress and fear and confusion and a lack of conversation. You know, why do you think that is? I always like to ask people this question. Why do you think it is we just don't talk about money or have these conversations? Uh, it's a great question. There, there's a serious taboo around talking about money. Uh, perhaps it's about not wanting to find out bad news. Um, none of us want to be in a position where we hear that somebody, a friend of ours or, or uh, a colleague is making more money than we are or somehow made better investment decisions. Um, so there's, there's kind of an insecurity, I think, still about money. And, and the way that we wanted to solve that is to make sure that all of these comparisons are completely anonymous and secure. Um, and some companies have done that before us. Glassdoor is a great example um, of sharing salary information, it gives people useful information that they would never want to share with a colleague. True. Openly. Yeah. I never thought about that, but you're so right on. Yeah. So for those who aren't familiar, tell us a little bit more about status money and you know how your, your program, your software, how it really works for an individual. Sure. Um, so status money is a website, statusmoney.com. And uh, when somebody creates an account, we ask for some basic profile information about them. That includes their age, um, that includes where they live, um, and uh, things like, uh, you know, whether or not they're a homeowner. Um, we also uh, sync to their credit report and any bank accounts they care to link uh, to get some information about their finances. Once we have that information, we're able to match them algorithmically to people who are like them, same age, same city, um, same credit score, whether or not they're homeowners. And we use uh, all that information to create a peer group. Uh, what we've done is actually partner with data companies. Um, these are financial services companies um, to get anonymous information uh, for a panel of millions and millions of people around the country. So at the very first time you're able to, to create your account and uh, create this peer group, we are able to match you and show you how your finances compare to people just like you, to the national average, and to really any other group you care to create. There's more than 2 million of these groups that you could create on our platform. So if I ever wanted to move to San Francisco, I could go in there and say, well, show me what people in San Francisco, my age, my income, Show me how their finances look. What are they paying for rent? How much do they tend to spend on, on dining out or, um, you know, or on their utilities? Uh, so all that information is, is open and available. Um, but then beyond just the access to the information and budgeting, what we've done is build some algorithms. And uh, you know, this is a complex word, but honestly, it works incredibly simply. And what it really means is um, we have a bunch of things that are analyzing your finances and trying to find ways where you can do better. 
That could be um, a student loan that you took out a little while back and you haven't really paid attention to what the current interest rate environment looks like. So we figured out that you could actually refinance that and save 500 bucks. Or that your savings account that you kind of have forgotten about um, is actually not very competitive and there's another bank out there that's offering a better rate. So whatever we find these opportunities, we kind of automatically and proactively let you know and in the process save you a lot of money. Yeah, and I think that's such a interesting uh, concept because you know I like I'm I'm a certified financial planner, so I like to share stories on the podcast and with people about you know that you could have a million dollar plus salary and still be in debt and still live paycheck to paycheck or whatever it may be that there there isn't a discrimination line when it when it comes to money and all of these tough topics that we that we juggle and i think that becomes so powerful because like you said when you can really dial down and see how you compare to somebody else in your very similar situation you could probably, my guess is then make more educated choices about your own spending and savings. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. Uh, somebody who's making a lot of money but spending a lot of money because they're just trying to keep up, I think what they'd find out is they're actually the outlier themselves. They're trying to keep up, keep up with an imaginary you know, profile, an imaginary set of people that simply don't exist. If they actually look at how they compare it to real people, they'll find out that they're just running a race with no one. Uh. <laughs> did, did something, um, you know, happen or what was it in your, in your past before you started status money that you thought, you know what, I think this is a good idea. I think this is something that people are really going to be interested in knowing this type of data. Absolutely. I mean, I worked at a large financial institution for, for more than 10 years uh, as a data scientist. So I was looking at this data on a daily basis, spending trends, um, balances, interest rates. Um, and what was a, a, just a constant uh, topic of conversation was, why aren't people making the best decisions they can make? Um, why are they sticking with a financial product that is no longer competitive? Why, why don't they pay attention to these things? Um, we did a lot of surveys and a lot of focus groups uh, to try to understand how people manage their money. And in most cases, they just kept things on autopilot, right? They were busy living yeah. their lives and, and didn't want to bother with having to check an interest rate on a credit card that, you know, they barely use, you know, every month. They don't want to do that. So, so we kind of figured out that there's a lack of information that exists and, and the information is kind of locked away. So it's not easy for somebody to check those things. And secondly, there's really no easy way for people to sift through all of that information and figure out, oh, you know, these five credit cards that I have are fine, but it's the checking account uh, or the savings account that I have that I should pay attention to. So, you know, it was kind of bringing those two things together, trying to affect people's behaviors and making it incredibly easy to understand and see what are the one, two or three things that you should do right away. Um, that can have a meaningful effect on on your savings and and on the money that you have. Yeah, that that's so great. And you know, on your website, you use a word that I love, which is empower. You know, it, I think, like you say, you know, exposing those different things to somebody who you're just you're just paying your bills, you're just living your life. It really can empower you then to make different choices, or at least just to have an awareness of what's going on. 
Absolutely. And I'll tell you something, that word is, is often used in kind of a markety way. Um, so it was certainly a conversation internally uh, at Status Money to figure out, is this the word we want to use? Um, <laughs> and the answer was yes, because that is exactly what we're trying to do. And, and we believe that we actually do that. Uh, and I, I can't vouch for, for other companies that claim to be empowering. But I, I, will, <laughs> I, I will say this. Um, information is power. And a lot of financial tools have come out over the, you know, the, the years that simply just help you get all your own information in one place. And that's okay, right? That's one step. But you know, the, the massive leap that we're trying to take is your information in isolation is not very helpful. You need to understand the context of that and, and really be able to analyze that in that context. That's real empowerment. And, and that's where we're trying to go. We're trying to take that massive leap forward. Did you see, uh, you know, as part of the study, did you see anything like particular to millennials or were a lot of the responses um, kind of agnostic, if you will, amongst all age groups? Um, good question. I'll tell you this. Most of the people using our platform today are, in fact, millennials. Um, over 90% are under the age of 40. Uh, that, wow. That's a stat. And that was actually a very interesting finding for us. Um, we, we are certainly not, um, we don't consider ourselves to be um, primarily or exclusively a millennial product. Um, in fact, I believe that people who are uh, retiring or close to retirement um, have a lot to gain from understanding how their investments um, are, are shaping up compared to other people and how that's going to uh, affect their, their plans for retirement. Um, Absolutely. But, you know, kind of, I think in terms of the early adopters for these types of products, we, um, you know, the, the millennials are ahead of the game. Um, so, so a lot of those behaviors that we're observing right now are, um, you know, driven by, by the millennial generation. Yeah. And that, that raises a really interesting point. You know, I think with the millennial generation really championing a lot of this, you know, innovative financial technology, where do you think this is going? I mean, do you think, you know, we're going to get to a point where we really, um, uh, we're really questioning a lot of the financial decisions that we used to just kind of take for granted? I think that's a great question. Um, you know, my, my view for the future is actually uh, one that's not often talked about. Because um, quite frankly, I don't think a lot of people are, are thinking ahead um, in a meaningful way and, and really imagining how things are going to change. Um, the amount of information that is available right now in the world is, is growing exponentially. Um, and we can see that with social media. But when it comes to finance, People don't see that information um, because all those transactions, all those balances, all that information is locked away in their banks. It's locked away, you know, in the credit bureaus. Um, and what we're doing is actually unlocking it. Um, and that's going to open up a tremendous amount of possibilities for additional services and additional insights to be built on top of that ocean of data. Um, so, so when I look ahead, I think people are not going to necessarily be questioning everything. But all of those questions are going to be analyzed by algorithms. So where you just as a person, you know, trying to live your life, you're not going to be bogged down by a million questions and a million things that you need to figure out in order to have a successful financial life. 
in fact, there are going to be services like ours, and hopefully we are you know, kind of leading the way, that, that help you live your life, and then we're kind of working in the background on your side. And anytime we find something that you could do better, you're going to know about it within a couple of taps on your phone. Everything is going to be done, and you can go about your way. Yeah, I mean, to me, it really is allowing this um, ability to have what used to be pretty expensive financial planning that, you know, really only people who had, you know, decent amount of money were able to afford. And yet everybody needs this information and this education and these tools. And so I think, you know, all of these companies like yours, like Status Money are just bringing to the marketplace an ability for everybody to at least have this information. Now, what you do with it is up to you, of course. But, you know, being able to have that access, I think, is just so powerful, maybe even more so than people really realize. I completely agree. It's so sad um, to, to see small missteps along the way actually accumulate into um, financial ruin. I mean, there's literally millions of people in the country that declare bankruptcy every year. And that doesn't happen overnight. Uh, those are caused by, in many cases, a series of of missteps where, you know, you didn't pay attention very closely to, um, you know, a certain set of accounts. You slowly got yourself into a lot of credit card debt that you were not able to to, to get out of. Um, you took out a mortgage and, and you didn't really understand the terms very well. Um, so all of those things, we talk about making this information available and having these algorithms that are kind of helping you make the right choices. They might be small choices, but they actually add up to something, um, you know, on a bigger scale, um, a very large impact on on your financial health. Yeah, I totally agree. So other than, you know, some of the the, the spending, which is a, a very big deal, some of the spending numbers that you found from the study, are there any other big kind of impactful numbers that really stood out for you or findings, I should say? Uh, so so we did find uh, through that university study that um, people reduced their spending, I mentioned, by, by $600. So we wanted to find out um, where, in which areas were they able to cut back? Um, and the reality was, it was really four categories. It was restaurants, entertainment, uh, travel, and shopping. <laughs> so, as, yeah, it's, it's, we, we all have at least one of those areas that we like to splurge on every once in a while. Um, totally guilty. <laughs> totally guilty myself. <laughs> I, I was guilty of the restaurants one. I've already come clean. Um, so, um, so there is some discretion in how we spend our money. And uh, in many cases, we're not looking uh, ahead or, or even kind of looking at what other people are doing when we do that. But with a little bit more context, um, you know, we're, we're all able to make wiser choices, even if those are to continue to spend. And that's an area of your life that you want to you want to live out to the fullest. Well, you know, you're completely able to do Go that, of it. course, just knowingly. Absolutely. Yeah. And I thought, you know, another interesting thing I, I, I read was that um, those who were actually underspending compared to their peers actually increased their spending by, I think the, the number was uh, average of 1%. I thought that was pretty fascinating too. Like people would go through the study and realize that they were underspending and going, all right, well, I, guess, I guess I should spend more money. We, we did get um, one person, we, we actually did a follow-up survey 
just to pull, you know, a couple hundred people uh, out of our member base to see, you know, can they corroborate this in terms of um, not just the data and the research, but in terms of the way they actually behave um, and what they think they've done. And one guy actually replied and he said, um, yeah, I found out I was spending less than my peers. And since then, I've actually, you know, been going out a little bit more and spending more money. Weird, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's not so weird, right? If you find out that um, you've been holding back on doing some things that you've been wanting to do, but um, you do have the ability to actually spend a little bit more and enjoy yourself, then that that's completely fine. Yeah, I love that. Awesome. Well, this has been so much fun. I love I love talking about all this. I think it is such an interesting way to think about your finances. Tell the listeners where they can find out more about Status Money and what they would need to do to, to sign up for it. Absolutely. Um, go to statusmoney.com. It's a completely free platform. It will always remain free. We make our money um, through ads, and, and these ads, by the way, are uh, for financial products that are helpful, uh, so we don't spam. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Good to know. And you could, you could get set up with an account in, in under five minutes. Um, so our support team is always happy um, to, to help if there are any questions as well. Hey, thanks so much for checking out this podcast episode. Listen, if you have an Ask Shauna question, I would absolutely love to answer it on the air. But more than that, I would love to have you on in a live Ask Shauna segment. So go to the link in the show notes, submit the question, and just let me know if you'd be up for a little live chat. I think this is so much fun because I think it helps bring the questions to life. So I would absolutely love to talk with you. And again, there are no stupid questions. All the questions are great questions and definitely somebody else on the podcast is probably thinking the exact same thing or wondering the exact same thing that you are. As always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Shauna Game. And we're also now on Spotify. So you can head on over to Spotify and listen to all of the Millennial Money podcast episodes. And if you love this podcast, do me a favor, head on over to the link in the show notes and leave us a review. 